Good morning and welcome to Shouts of Grace. This morning I want to start off by sharing a prayer request with you. See, I'm heading off to Nigeria for a week in a few days, uh, but don't worry, I'm, I'm going to try my best to work ahead and to get Shouts of Grace covered. But I want to ask that you would pray for me as I travel and as I preach to many pastors in Nigeria. See, these men are men who put their life on the line for Jesus Christ every single day. And many of them have seen their friends, their family members, and even their congregation be persecuted for the sake of Christ. Many of them have even had their lives have had their lives threatened. But pray that they will be encouraged, equipped, and that they'd be filled with grace as God allows me to minister to them. It is an incredible privilege. Uh, to be able to do this. And so I I do want to just ask that you'd be praying that God would be working in their midst and that they would be encouraged and equipped and and really filled with grace. But speaking of grace, let's get into our text this morning, Proverbs chapter 25. And Proverbs chapter 25 says this, These also are Proverbs of Solomon, which the men of Hezekiah, king of Judah, copied, It is the glory of God to conceal a matter, but the glory of kings is to search them out. As the heavens for height and the earth for depth, so the heart of the king is unsearchable. Take away dross from silver, and it will go to the silversmith for for jewelry. And take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Do not exalt yourself in the presence of a king, and do not stand in the place of the great. For it is better that he say to you, Come up here than that you should be put lower in the presence of the prince, whom your eyes have seen. And do not go hastily to court, for what will you do in the end when your neighbor has put you to shame? Debate your case with your neighbor, and do not disclose the secret to another, lest he who hears it expose your shame and your reputation be ruined. A word fitly spoken is like apples of gold in settings of silver. Like an earring of gold and an ornament of fine gold is a wise rebuker to an obedient ear. Like the cold snow uh, in a time of harvest is the faithful messenger to those who will send him, for he refreshes the soul of his master. Whoever falsely boasts giving of giving is like a clouds or excuse me, is like clouds and wind without rain. By long forbearance a ruler is persuaded, and a gentle tongue breaks a bone. Have you found honey? Eat only as much as you need, lest you be filled with it and vomit. Seldom set your foot in your neighbor's house, lest he become weary of you and hate you. A man who bears false witness against his neighbor is like a club, a sword, and a sharp arrow. Confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint, like one who takes away a garment in cold weather, and like vinegar on soda is one who sings songs to a heavy heart. If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For so you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. The north wind brings forth rain, and a backbiting tongue and angry countenance. It is better to dwell in the corner of a housetop than in a house shared with a contentious woman. As cold water is to a weary soul, so is good news from a far country. 
A righteous man who falters before the wicked is like a murky spring and a polluted well. It is not good to eat much honey. So to seek one's own glory is not glory. Whoever has no rule over his own spirit is like a city broken down without walls. The first thing that I want us to see here this morning is that the company that you keep matters. This is something that is really, really important for you to understand, that the company that you keep, it really does matter. In verses 4 and 5, it says this, Take away the dross from silver, and it will go to the silversmith for jewelry. Take away the wicked from before the king, and his throne will be established in righteousness. Now, first of all here, we do need to go over the political application because that's the, the, the first and primary application that's here. But I want you to understand that it really does have an application for each and every one of us. But the political application is this. The advisors to a candidate are often what really matters or what separates those who are actually going to turn out to being good and just those who have good intentions. I mean, there's, there's a lot of people who enter into politics and they have good intentions, but good intentions doesn't make you a good statesman. Yes, it is important. The individual, they do matter, the individual candidate, but bad advisors can ruin a person's tenure. Th think of Trump with Fauci. Think of Trump with Fauci. I mean, if, if you go back to 2020, and this is something that I think that a lot of people have forgotten, um, although it's starting to come up again as as the DeSantis crowd uh, goes and brings this up. And I, you know, I don't mean to nerd out on this so too much here, but Fauci, Lord Fauci, Farquad Fauci, however you want to go and, and look at him, but Lord Fauci, he was actually put in in place or or was allowed to be in place of power by Donald Trump, and of course. We go and we look at, there's a lot of things that people have uh, liked about Donald Trump. In fact, he did some good things. There's no doubt about that. Uh, I think of the the uh, embassy in Israel, moving it to Jerusalem from Tel Aviv. I mean, that's a, that, that, that's a big thing there that he did, something that other presidents weren't willing to do. And that, that is an incredible thing to go and to realize that. But at the same time, you can make the argument that he is perhaps, up until his time, the most liberal president that the United States has ever seen, and a lot of it is specifically the uh, economic principles that came out. Well, they came in 2020. Uh, the biggest stimulus check um, you know, that makes uh, FDR and the New Deal blush came from Donald Trump. Well, where did that come from? Well, a lot of it was bad advisors that were around him. I don't necessarily think that that's his, his normal economic philosophy, but he signed it in, into play. Why? Because he was afraid of the COVID virus, right? He goes and he's still uh, bragging about the, the, the vaccine that has gone out and damaged a lot of people and killed even a lot of people. And he's going out and doing that. Well, why? Because he had a bad advisor that he continually listened to. And even though this bad advisor showed his wickedness, well, he still in some ways is listening to him, or at least the science, quote unquote, uh, that he put out. And so what's the lesson that we can learn? Well, a bad administration, a bad advisor group around a candidate, around a political figure can absolutely destroy them, make them much worse than what you'd ever think they could be, and even go against their own political philosophies, their own economic philosophies, their own moral philosophies in many ways. 
See, if a king has the wickedness removed from him, his tenure will be made into a beautiful work of art as he is established. But if it's not removed from him, well, we're going to have all kinds of problems. Now, while this passage is specifically speaking of kings, uh, the relational principle applies in your life as well. See, the people around you will make an impact on your life. They will either pollute you and bring you down, uh, or excuse me, bring down the value that you have on the eternal economy, or they will improve you and establish the works and the purpose of your life. And that's why it's so important that you recognize who are the people who have influence on you, who are the advisors that you have in your life. And it is so vitally important that you select those advisors, that you allow people to advise you who are wise and righteous and godly. But if they are wicked and foolish, that you and ungodly, then you need to run from them. You need to remove them from your life. And, and, and an advisor doesn't have to be somebody who's in a position of natural uh, power of what we think about. It could just simply be your best friend or the friend that you like to listen to or the friend that you like to go to for advice. But you need to go and to look at these people in your life. You need to understand, identify and understand who it is in your life who's giving you advice. And you need to make sure that they are good people and more importantly, they're godly people who are giving you advice so that you're not getting advice from the wicked. Because if you're getting advice from the wicked, what's going to happen? Well, your, your life is just going to be destroyed. You're going to be brought down. You're not going to have the value in the eternal, eternal economy that God wants you to have. And so what does that mean? It means that you're not going to be fulfilling your purpose. You're not going to be walking in the good works that God gave you. And it means that you're not going to complete the work that God has set in your hands. That's a pretty big deal. The people around you really do matter. Now, of course, if you get good people around you, if you get godly people around you, if you get people who are walking in righteousness, what happens? Well, you become a beautiful work of art. Your life becomes a beautiful work of art that is going out and accomplishing everything that God intended for you to accomplish. And so it is so important that you have the right people around you in your life. The company you keep matters. The second thing that I want us to see this morning is that you need to be careful who you put your confidence in, kind of building on the same principle. But in verses 13 and 19, it says this in verse 13, like the cold of snow and time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him for he refreshes the soul of his master. And then in verse 19, confidence in an unfaithful man in the time of trouble is like a bad tooth and a foot out of joint. See, Notice, first of all, here in these two verses that I mentioned, and this was actually uh, brought up several times uh, throughout the chapter, if you want to go back and read this, but, but specifically it's brought up in these two verses. But notice that natural truth that is used to set up the moral truth in both of these examples. So you have this idea of the natural truth, uh, truth whether this is refreshing snow well, the refreshing snow, what, what is that setting up here? It's setting up in, in comparing and contrasting the faithful messenger. And then you have the, the, the bad tooth and the disjointed foot. And of course, that's the unfaithful man, the, the unfaithful messenger there. See, the principle here that I want us to see, and this is a, a really important truth, natural law reflects moral law. So therefore, true natural law can always illustrate true moral law. 
And, and this is something that is really important because the laws of nature don't go against the laws of God. They're not competing against one another, but rather they're propping one another up and they're working in tandem uh, together to teach us the truths that God wants us to know. And, and so natural law follows moral law. These moral laws are shaped, or excuse me, the natural laws are shaped by the moral truths that 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 I, I don't know if I'd really say pre-existed them because natural law, it's one of those things that it just is naturally there because these moral laws are are right there flowing from the heart of God. And so this is something that's important that we go and we understand. We can go and illustrate natural law, or excuse me, moral law, by looking at natural law. It's, it, it's fixed. It's, it's, it's there. It, it runs by sets of rules. It's not subjective. It is objective. And therefore, we can also know that moral law is not subjective, but it is also objective. And these two things work together because they come from the same creator. They flow from God. God's natural law that he sets cannot contradict his moral law and the principles behind them. But understand something, a faithful person, they will refresh your soul when you put your confidence in them. Notice it is a faith, it is faithfulness that is highlighted in not ability there in verse 13. Like the cold of snow in the time of harvest is a faithful messenger to those who send him, for he refreshes the soul of his master. See, character matters when it comes to who you should put your confidence in. Character matters. When you're going and selecting people and you're looking at people for a job and you're looking at people for who am I going to trust, who am I going to put my confidence in, find good, morally upstanding people. Find people who are upright. Find people who are righteous. Character matters. Do you want to be refreshed? If you want to go and be able to, 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 to just go, wow, I know it's going to happen, you need to go and to find people of good moral character, even beyond ability. Your first thing that you should look at is their moral character. The second thing we see here in this passage is the contrasting of the unfaithful person and the lesson here of the unfaithful person. An unfaithful person is a severe nagging pain. Now, an unfaithful person might be extremely skilled. They might even be brilliant. But the issue is, is that they're unreliable. And this brings a constant question on if they will come through for you or if they won't. And this also, of course, brings pain when they fail. It brings pain when they fail. Now, an unfaithful person, what are they like? They're like a disjointed foot. That's severe pain right there. If your foot's out of joint, that's severe pain. And of course, then every step that you would take that would be out of joint, it, it would just, oh my goodness, shoot pain like crazy. But then it's also, it says that they're like a, a, a bad tooth, a decaying tooth, a, a, a hurt tooth, right? Well, what's the problem with a hurt tooth? Well, number one, it hurts and it aches, but it's constant. It's there all the time, just constantly throbbing and hurting. And, and that's the thing. If you go and you put your confidence in an unfaithful person, somebody who doesn't have good, strong moral character, what happens is that you're going to find you're going to find yourself worrying, is this person going to come through? Are they going to do what they said they were going to do? I mean, I know they have the ability to go and do it, but are they actually going to go and do it? And it's going to cause you way more stress, even if the person is supremely talented, than what it would be a less talented but faithful person 
for you to put your confidence in. That's going to refresh you. They're always going to come through, and afterwards you're going to go, wow, that was nice. Find faithful people with high character. Avoid entrusting unfaithful people with anything of consequence because character matters. Now, the final thing that I want us to see here this morning is how you treat your enemy, or better yet, I should put it this way, how you trust God really matters. Verses 21 and 22, it says this, If your enemy is hungry, give him bread to eat. And if he is thirsty, give him water to drink. For in doing so, you will heap coals of fire on his head, and the Lord will reward you. See, this passage, ultimately, I believe that it is more about how you view God than it is how you view your enemies. Now, this is an interesting thing. Most people would think that this is all about how you're viewing and treating your enemies, but the reality of it is is that it has a lot more to do with how you view God and how you trust God. See, for the Christian, we have a singular positive concern. How can I please God? How will I please the one who enlisted me? See, if you are consumed by this thought, then there will be a trust that God will take care of the circumstance. He will take care of the circumstance. See, revenge ultimately is rooted in a fear of man and a lack of a fear of God. When you choose revenge, you're saying, I must be vindicated, and you are vindicating yourself so that others will look fondly upon you. That's what you're doing. When you seek revenge, it is ultimately not for yourself, and it's obviously not for God when you're seeking revenge. You're you're ultimately going and saying, I care about what others think of me, and so therefore I'm going to try to vindicate myself. But if you are truly consumed by God's opinion, if you have lost your will to the will of your master— then you will be able to leave the matter in his hands and trust that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm not advocating for for, for passive positions. I, I trust that if you've listened to this, if you've gotten 25 into this, you've probably figured that out. I'm not much of a passive person when it comes spiritually. But What I am saying is is that there are times that we definitely need to stop, take a step back, and go, I'm not going to defend myself. I'm not interested in defending myself. I'm not interested in going and striking back. I'm simply interested in presenting God's truth and seeking to see people come to know Jesus Christ, no matter what the cost. See, if you're truly consumed by God's opinion of you, You will be able to leave the matter in his hands and trust that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Now, of course, the goal must be to please God and not to heap coals of fire on your enemy's head when we read this passage. A lot of times I think people read this passage and they go, yeah, I'm going to go do something kind because I want to make sure some coals of fire are heaping on people's heads. Oh, yeah, I got them. No, 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 no. You must truly seek to please God. You must truly leave it to God. You must not worry about the the heaps of, or the, the coals being heaped upon people's heads. You must just simply be consumed with the fact, with the idea, with the thought, I must please Him. Well, thank you for listening today. And remember Joshua 1, 8, 9 as we depart. 
This book of the law shall not depart from your mouth, but you shall meditate in it day and night, that you may observe to do according to all that is written in it, for then you will make your way prosperous, and then you will have good success. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and of good courage. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. Hold to the promise There's nothing we can't overcome